Good morning, I'm Joe, and this is my wife Cheryl, and we've been attending TCC for about nine years. And uh, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 14 through 27. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an, e- an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, there would be, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The word of the Lord. you, Cheryl and Joe. Well, good morning, TCC. It's good to be with you again. Before I get too far into this, I'm going to harp on Operation Christmas Child a little bit. I, uh, I had the privilege of attending Bible college with a young man from Nicaragua who received a box as a child, and that started his, uh, his faith journey, his journey with Jesus. I became good friends with him, and I still am today, and it was just remarkable to see how something as simple as packing a little shoebox and dropping it off somewhere can result in life change for, uh, for young children around the world. So I double up on requesting that you grab a box on the way out. Make it a family tradition, as my family has, to, uh, to also pack a box. Well, that moves us into this morning, a community of contribution. I know what you're thinking, oh no, begrudgingly pulling your checkbooks out, getting your e-transfers ready. I'm only going to talk about that a little bit. But what I want to focus on this morning is the idea of gifts, of giving gifts, receiving gifts, and the fact that we have received many gifts from the Lord. But before we get into that, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but how many of you know what the Super Nintendo Entertainment System is? Excellent. Everyone my age, nobody younger or older. Perfect. But the year was 1993. I was six, and uh, Christmas morning came, and I tear into this box thinking, I wonder what this could be, and I rip open the packaging, and there it is, an SNES, the greatest gift 
of all time. I know there's different game systems now, but I still hold to the fact that the Super Nintendo Entertainment System is the best gaming system ever invented. But I opened it that Christmas morning, and with great joy, I said, this is the best. This is what I've been waiting for. This is the perfect gift. I need to use it right now. And on the flip side, I'm going to go the other way now. Over the years, I have given many gifts to people. But the joy that I had when I opened that gift did not compare with the joy that I had when I watched other people open gifts that I had given to them, and they had the same reaction. You realize that you've given somebody a gift that they truly love. You can see the joy on their face. They don't know how to express how they're feeling. And that joy is only doubled when you see them actually using the gift that you've given them. You know, maybe weeks, months, years later you walk by and you see them using the gift and you're like, wow, I'm an amazing gift giver. <laughs> but that, that joy of, of seeing others experience joy as a result of giving a gift is something that's not paralleled. But I want to focus on the fact that God has given each one of us a gift. Beyond salvation through Jesus, which is the greatest gift that we can ever receive, and we have received, God has graced us with another gift, or more gifts. You know, often we, we come to the point where we think, okay, I've been saved, I've entered into a relationship with Jesus, perfect, now I can go on with my life, and one day I'll go to live with Jesus. Or, uh, or maybe you end up on the other side where you think, well, what now? I'm, I'm part of this community, I'm part of this family. What happens now? You feel a little bit maybe like there's some distance between you and God now. God's abandoned you. The fact is God has not abandoned you. He loves us. He loves each one of us. And he has resourced us and given us more gifts than, simple, than simply the gift of salvation. A little bit, I didn't have it read this morning, but a little bit earlier in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 Paul talks about the fact that each one of us has been given at least one gift. And in verse 11, he talks about how it's the Holy Spirit who decides who gets what gift, which gifts you have, how you've been resourced by the Lord. And as we heard in that little, in that little piece of 1 Corinthians 12, each gift is of equal value. Every part of the body plays a role, and they all need to play that role. No one is greater than another. No one is lesser than another. And no one person can opt out because their gift is not as good as someone else's. You know, I'm thinking the way that Paul writes this portion of the letter to the Corinthians, it seems like there are individuals who consider themselves to be lesser than others. There are individuals who consider themselves not to be a part of the body. And he is speaking against that as he speaks to the importance of the body. The fact is diversity is necessary for unity. You know, in, in uh, verses 12 and 13, just before the, the excerpt that we had read, it talks about as with the physical body, the same as with your physical body, Christ's body, which is us, the church, is made up of many parts, all performing different tasks, you know, the church is an organic whole, regardless of age, gender, race, background, brokenness. 
we have all been united as one body through the Holy Spirit. And these gifts that, that the Spirit has given us, that God has given us, these gifts are meant to be used, to be contributed to the whole. You know, I think back to the uh, Super Nintendo Entertainment System. That had two controller inputs, so it was even meant to be played with others. It was meant to be contributed in a way. It was meant to be enjoyed in the context of community. And as with that, although that's uh, not the greatest example, I guess, but the gifts that we have, we're to use in the context of community. The Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter 4, 8 to 10, says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Love, the the concept of love. God loves us. He's given us gifts. And we're called to love one another. How do we do that? As Peter says, by using those gifts to serve one another as good stewards of God's grace. You know, not only is it a call for us, to step into that. But we enter into great joy when we serve others. The act of serving really is giving a gift to another. No matter how joyful I can be, or no matter how joyful you can be when we receive a gift, like I mentioned, it really doesn't compare with the joy that you feel when you've given a gift to another when you've blessed someone else and you see the joy that they experience as a result of receiving that. And as we've heard many times over the last few months and the last few weeks, this journey of faith is no do-it-yourself project. We are a community. We're in community. And every one of us has a part to play. No matter how big or small you feel like that part is, in 1 Corinthians 12, 15 to 20, a portion of what we just had read, Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, talking about the importance of each individual. And that rings true for us today as well. You know, if the entire body was made up of the same part, if the entire body was an eye or an ear or a hand or a foot, I mean, A, that would be a freakishly weird body. But B it would not operate the way that God intended it to. Simply put, the body is designed very intricately to operate in a particular way. You know, as we perform the duties that we've been uniquely resourced to do, the part that we've been uniquely designed to play in the context of this community, this body, we have a unique opportunity to be Jesus to one another in the absence of Jesus being physically present with us. You know, there's a a poem called Christ Has No Body, attributed to Teresa of Avila, that I find a powerful call for us in this. It's up on the screen behind me, but I'm going to read it. Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. 
Yours are the hands with which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes, you are his body. Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes with which he looks compassion on this world. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. The call really is the fact that we are the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears. We are the part of Christ's body now. And we contribute in the context of community. And thinking about us here at Terwilliger Community Church, uh, we are by no means perfect. And there are areas that we continue to grow in as a church, and as a leadership and ministry team. But when each of us is exercising our God-given gifts, those of us on staff, those of us not on staff, everyone in this body, when we're exercising our God-given gifts, they help develop our spiritual maturity. They help us move along in that journey of faith, that journey with Jesus. And when each part of the body, that is each one of us, is contributing, the body flourishes. And when even one small part of the body chooses not to contribute, the entire body suffers. Now think of, think of your physical body. You're working on a project, you're playing a sport or something like that, you get a little piece of dust in your eye, you sprain your ankle playing soccer, you slam your finger in your car door, and all of a sudden there's a part of your body that's not working the way that it should. It makes it incredibly difficult for you to complete your task, It makes it difficult for your body to continue operating because there is a part that's not working the way it's intended to work. And when thinking about the the areas of serving and what, what the body looks like, Paul, the Apostle Paul writes this piece in Corinthians. He also writes about gifts and contribution in Romans chapter 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. And he comes at it a little bit differently in each of them, but... In Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about the roles a little bit. The fact that a pastor, a pastor's role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And that's not to abdicate those of us that are pastors from serving in other areas. We'll serve in other areas too, and we're happy to do it. That's a part of body life. But the fact is our primary focus is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Now, what exactly is the work of ministry? There's all these gifts listed in all these different places. What, what's everybody supposed to do? Well, I'm glad you asked. But contribute, very simply. Serve Christ. And as you serve Christ, serve one another. You know, we often find our identity here in North America in what we do. And if we're not a pastor, our vocation, and our vocation is not part of the church physically, then we feel either like we're exempt or we feel like we don't have a place. Maybe you find yourself, maybe, maybe you have the feeling that someone should just do something about blank. Fill in the blank. I'm sure you can fill in the blank. Someone should do something about that. You know, perhaps... That feeling is actually the Holy Spirit gently prodding you to do something. You know, the, the idea of vocation in North America is a grind. 
you know, a way to get the most bang for your buck, a way to set yourself up for retirement. You labor and you work, and that's here, and then eventually you'll be able to enjoy life as a result of the fruits of your labor. But the biblical outlook on labor was included as a a natural, even joyful part of life, right from the beginning. You know, when God instructed Adam to tend the garden. And Frederick Buechner once said, Your vocation in life is where your greatest joy meets the world's greatest need. And the work of ministry that I just mentioned, and the world's greatest need simply is Jesus. So how does your greatest joy, how do your giftings and your passions help others become more like Jesus or help them come to know Jesus for the first time? Perhaps you feel like you have no clue what your gift or gifts are. You don't know how you can contribute. You know, how do you know what your gift is? What is your Super Nintendo Entertainment System? We often turn, at least in my life, to spiritual gifts assessments, little questionnaires or long questionnaires that you can do to figure out how you're gifted and how God will use you. And I, I took a few of those over this last couple of weeks in studying for this message just to see how they would turn out, see if they would back up some of the affirmations I've had and some of the things I feel like I am gifted in and things that uh, the Lord and people have spoken into my life over the years. Some of, the, some of them were. Some of them are pretty whack. So they can be a decent resource. I'm not going to recommend one from the stage if you want to talk about spiritual gifts assessments, I'd be happy, happy to do that afterward. But they're a decent resource. But really, I find the best way to identify your gifting is simply by doing. You know, begin serving. Jump in to help somewhere. You see a need, jump in to fill that need. Often, well, as you're doing that, and as you ask the Lord to to expose what the gifts are and what and how you can contribute. He'll reveal that in those moments. He'll often reveal that through others. In the context of community, as you jump in to serve, others will affirm what they see in you, the qualities, the giftings that they see in you. And they'll often see things that you don't see or you're unwilling to see in yourself. An example from my life, I was told on multiple occasions actually once from the Nicaraguan man at Bible College who became my friend, the Operation Christmas Child Kid, that, uh, and I was told by him and others that I had leadership qualities or that I was administratively gifted. I didn't know what any of that meant. I didn't want to be a leader or administrate things, so I was like, okay, thanks, great. Um, Or as I've shared in multiple on multiple occasions already through my testimony. An elder at a previous church came up and asked if I'd ever considered pastoral ministry because he felt that I was equipped or resourced for that. Again, I had no desire to be a pastor. So these people keep coming and telling me these things that they believe they see in me, these qualities, these gifts they believe God has given me. And I didn't want anything to do with them. But as time went by and I spent some intentional time speaking with the Lord to find out if that was in fact true, if those were things that he 
that he had for me and that he had gifted me with, it became apparent that they were. And here we are. But the joy that I've experienced in exercising those gifts is something that you can only experience in that exact context. The context of using your gifts through service, of actually stepping into those gifts as others affirm you and as the Lord affirms you. 10 out of 10, I would totally recommend doing that. But what does that look like here at TCC? Now, we often use the word volunteer when we talk about helping out around church. I make jokes about free labor all the time. But that's not really what we're doing. You know, no matter what you're volunteering for, or no matter what free labor services you're providing, we are serving one another. Whether that be physically setting up the the tables and chairs. Funny story about that, I'm going to be a little bit real here. I, uh, I had nobody scheduled to come set this up aside from myself this morning. So I took it upon myself after asking the Lord to provide and him seemingly not doing that to come and do it yesterday with Sean. And I arrived today to find three individuals who had come to help set up. So the Lord was providing and I uh, jumped the gun a little bit. (laughs) Would have been an easier Saturday had I just uh, been willing to believe that the Lord was going to provide as he says that he will. So there you go. Real, tangible, practical experience. But whether that be setting up these chairs or teaching the kids upstairs, we're serving one another. So I want to talk about maybe a little bit of what that could look like practically in our lives here. You know, first we can contribute by using your spiritual gifts. In 1 Corinthians 12, a little bit after the the section that we've read, Paul lists them as apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administrating, and tongues. You know, others are mentioned elsewhere, as I mentioned, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, other places as well. But this kind of broadly covers much of what we would consider gifts of the Spirit, gifts from the Lord. So if you know where you're gifted, if you're already aware of that, if you've been stepping into that, get involved, use those gifts. Teach, exhort, or speak wisdom, heal, pray, help, administer, whatever that looks like. But if you're not sure what your gifts are, if you're not sure how you can contribute, jump in somewhere you see a need. There are lots of needs. And allow others to affirm the gifts that they see in you as you walk through that. Allow God to reveal them to you as you spend time serving and asking him to reveal them to you. We can also contribute by tithing, the giving of our resources. And the concept of tithing I find very out there. You know, you hear about it, like, ah, it's a churchy thing. The word tithe simply means a tenth in Hebrew. And the concept of tithing was always the idea of giving your best, your first fruits to the Lord. And that was present, that idea was present at the very beginning of time. You know, we read about the story of Adam and Eve after they've left the garden, their sons Cain and Abel, You know what happens to to Abel, most likely. Cain kills him. Because Abel tithed his first fruits. He gave to the Lord what the Lord required. Cain did not. Abel was blessed and Cain was not. 
In Leviticus 27.30, it says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In Malachi 3, verse 10, God tells his people to bring their full tithe and put him to the test. I don't know if it's the only spot, but it's one of the only spots in Scripture where the Lord tells us to put him to the test. And the test is that when you are faithful to bring your full tithe, that he will bless and meet all of your needs. He will be faithful to do that when you're faithful to bring that tenth. You know, in the New Testament... The heart behind giving, the heart behind tithing, becomes as important as the act itself. In Matthew 23, verse 23, Jesus condemns the teachers of the law for bringing their tenth, but neglecting justice, mercy, faithfulness. In 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, Paul tells us to give cheerfully as we are able. In Romans 12, verse 6, Paul again talks about the idea of contributing financially as a gift. If you're able to contribute financially, that's a gift, just like all these other gifts we're talking about. And in various other places throughout the New Testament, we're told to give generously. You know, not always a specific amount listed, but give generously. Though the concept of giving your best and your first to the Lord is always present. More than that, we can contribute by serving. Now, Jesus told us that he came to be served, to be served. He did not come to be served. Sorry. Jesus came to serve and not be served. Mark 10, verse 45. But Peter, who spent a lot of time with Jesus, reminds us in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, to serve one another. As Jesus served them, so we are to serve one another. You know, and we're told many times throughout the New Testament that we are to serve others. In fact, as one commentator mentioned in my studies, the only thing that can be said is not commanded is to do nothing. You know, and way prior to Jesus, Moses passes on the command from the Lord for everyone to contribute their skills and their resources to the building of the tabernacle. Exodus 35 and 36, talking about Not simply resources, but your skills, your talents, physical work to come and give those to the Lord and to the people to serve one another and to serve God. But the concept of serving and laboring for the Lord and for the benefit of others has been in place since the beginning of time. I'm going to talk about some very practical considerations here at Terwilliger Community Church, and how we can serve one another. Most of these I happen to oversee, so. <laughs> a little biased, a little biased. But set up, like I mentioned, the chairs and tables get set up every week. Brunch as part of that. There's a lot of work that goes into making this happen on Sunday mornings. And we do have a great need for individuals to step into physically serving in the act of setting up tables and chairs Sunday mornings, helping with brunch, particularly cleanup and tablecloths. So if you want more info, come see me. The Connections crew, something new for a lot of you that have been here a long time. For those of you who just started coming, maybe you've seen it since you started. We've got a Connection Center at the back. We've got greeters, ushers, people at the Connection Center. 
the idea is that everyone who steps through the door feels welcome. They feel that they're part of this family, part of this community from the moment they enter. And there's a, a great group that works on that every week. There's opportunities there. Adventureland kids upstairs. Beyond simply serving the parents by allowing you to hang out down here during the worship service while your kids are taken care of, the kids themselves can be served. You can serve them as you walk with them and help them grow closer to Jesus. And as they transition from Adventureland to youth, there's more opportunity there. The opportunity doesn't disappear, but the opportunity to help the youth and walk with them as they walk with Jesus. Worship ministry, whether that be up on stage, being part of helping lead us in worship through song, or back at the tech booth so Pastor Tim doesn't have to run the PowerPoint or pro presenter every week. There's opportunities there. And then beyond what simply happens here on a Sunday and throughout the week, we have events throughout the year where we seek to connect with the physical community of Terwilliger Town. And these events pop up. We've got some coming up, Winter Delight, things like that. Throughout the year, there are tons of opportunities not only to serve the staff by helping them make that a reality, but to serve the community that we live in. And there's a ton of other things that will come up as time goes by as well. But I'm losing my voice. As our gifts are used, the spirit moves and community is fortified. Our community grows and flourishes as each one of us plays our part. If you hear nothing else aside from Super Nintendo Entertainment System this morning, I want you to hear these three things. First, God has equipped us to serve. You know, we've all received at least one gift through the Holy Spirit. And we have passions that fuel our service. We have, uh, we have desires, and I believe those are from the Lord as well. But he has equipped us with gifts, with passions. He has resourced us to serve. Secondly, God has commanded us to serve. You know, each of us has a role to play, a part to play in the body whether we feel like our part is tiny and insignificant or if we feel like our part is the most important part, that's irrelevant. We're told they're all of equal importance. And the Spirit reveals that to us. Paul tells us all parts are equal. And if even one small part of the body is not contributing, the entire body suffers. So number three, God has modeled what it looks like to serve. You know, if we want to see what it means to serve, we need look no further than the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we often make things a lot more difficult than they need to be. If we love others and consider them above ourselves, as Jesus did, we will naturally serve them. And that takes many, many forms. You know, different stages of life, you're going to have different opportunities to serve. I know there are times when there's stuff going on in your life that make it difficult to serve in the practical ways that I'm talking about at church on a Sunday, throughout the week. I know young moms have little babies at home. It's hard to serve outside of that, but you are serving the body of Christ. You're serving your children. There are different times in life when you will serve in different capacities it takes on different forms it doesn't always look the same but the fact is we are called to serve as Jesus served 
I'd like to uh, <clears throat> invite the worship team back up. And I'll leave you guys with this this morning. You know, maybe you're already serving regularly. And if you are, we're deeply, deeply thankful. You know, what happens here can't happen without you. you know, but maybe you've never formally served in any capacity at church. Perhaps you're unsure of how to proceed because you don't know how you're gifted. You don't know what your SNES is. You don't know where to start. First, I would encourage you to spend some intentional time with God in silence, in solitude, in prayer. Ask him where you should be serving, how you can be serving, how your giftings and passions look in the body of Christ. Now is your opportunity simply to jump in and begin serving, begin helping. Or perhaps you have been thinking, someone should really do something about that. And you can point to a specific thing. I would say that's the spirit gently prodding you to do something about it. And the, uh, remember, the only thing that we're commanded not to do is nothing at all. So I look forward to all of you rushing the Connection Center to fill all of our outstanding serving needs during brunch today. I only half joke about that. But remember, God loves you, and so do we. <laughs>